welcome to the Vine Podcast. This is Warren, and I am joined today by, once again, by our new Family Life resident, Rachel Tate Yator. How did I do on, on your last name that time? Yeah, that's pretty good. Yator. All right. <laughs> I'm trying to get it right. Yeah, thank uh, you. All right. How are you today, Rachel? I'm not doing bad. There's kind of a lot swarming around in my mind with the hurricane coming in and my family making decisions about evacuating since we've been through a lot with hurricanes in the past. So that's tucked in the back of my mind that I'm glad we're getting to talk about the topic that we are today. I think that that will even minister to me in my situation. Good. Yeah, you. So we talked last week some, or, or at least in in the worship service last week, we had a video of of everything you went through, kind of for the last few months to get here. Now you arrive in Houston, and, and a hurricane is, is coming for. <laughs> so that's nice. Yeah, um, <laughs> welcome to America. So, yeah, so we we will be certainly be prayerful for you and your family Thank and all you. those who are in the path of that. And yeah, by the time this gets out to people, more may be known about. Right. Uh, the severity of that, or what it looks like, and so hopefully there's there's minimal damage, and yes. and uh, everyone's able just kind of get back to what is, I guess, normal life in this <laughs> as as normal as life is in this season very soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we're going to talk about prayer some more today, kind of coming coming from the the conversation this Sunday in our worship service. But but I thought maybe to begin, Rachel, I was curious to know, so in our in our podcast last week, we talked about your time in Kenya. And so I was kind of curious to know, you've been back, uh, you, you've been in the States now for what, a couple of weeks? Three weeks? I feel like it's getting closer to a month, but I has haven't it been, been has counting. It been that, <laughs> almost, yeah, I guess so. Um and so I'm I'm curious to know just as you've as you as you've kind of transitioned back here what has it been like for you to be back in the Houston area and to be back in this weird season where you're kind of back but it feels like you're probably pretty restricted in movement and what yeah. you're being able to do just how have how have you adjusted to being back Well it's been really good to have time with my family I've gotten to see my sisters and and um been living with my parents so I see my parents every day <laughs> which is really nice after not having seen them for a couple years and have had the opportunity to be with my grandma several times which is a huge blessing their place was on lockdown and they just recently opened them up and so we've been able to take my grandma out and just bring her over she was here on Sunday and spent the Sunday with us watching church services on YouTube. So the family time has definitely been good. And for Hezzy, he's also having family time with his brothers in Colorado and more extended family. So we're just soaking that up and just thanking God for the opportunity to to be with family that we hadn't seen for a while. Yeah, that's great. And for those that don't know, yeah, Rachel is... is- Staying with her parents right now while while everything was still happening remotely here, um, it it made sense for for her to kind of stay there for now, and um, she's able to to do a lot with us remotely. And at at some point, once we're able to do more stuff in person, they'll they'll transition our way to to being here in Temple. Uh, okay, so Sunday, uh, part of what uh, kind of touched on in the lesson on Sunday was this idea of 
of making every place a place of prayer. And so we wanted, we wanted to kind of reflect on that uh, conversationally today and, and maybe flesh out some of that. And so I, um, if, if you were able to listen on Sunday, I, I shared some of my thoughts around that Sunday. And so maybe, Rachel, if you've got any thoughts to kind of kick us off with, I'd be curious to hear just some of your thoughts, reflections, responses to, to that idea of, of making every place um, a place of prayer. And just if you have any thoughts generally to kind of kick us off with today. Sure. I think that this is absolutely essential for the life of a Christian. This is a skill that we have to develop in different seasons and times in our, in our lives to learn how to transform any place or situation that we're in into a prayerful place or a prayerful moment. So you, you reference a lot some of the additional teachings of Paul on that. And First Thessalonians 5.17 just says, pray without ceasing. So that means just continually be in conversation with God wherever you are, uh, whatever you're doing. So some of the kind of fun, practical things that I've liked to think on um, for this concept is to just like take any mundane activity and to turn that into a, a prayerful activity. <laughs> so I used to, in Kenya, I used to wash all our dishes by hand. And the whole process from heating the water to organizing the dishes and washing them and laying them out could take me about an hour. So I had one month specifically where I said, every day I'm washing dishes, that full hour is going to be an hour of intercessory prayer. So as I'm washing the dishes, I'm praying for other people. And there was something about the, the tangible action that my hands are doing that felt like mm. it had a connection to what was happening in the spiritual realm. So I'm taking something that's dirty and gross <laughs> and I'm washing it and I'm cleansing it and I'm returning it back to its place when it's restored and new and clean and fresh. And I felt that as I'm asking God, to do something in the life of this person, to give them financial breakthrough or to heal a sick child or to restore a broken marriage or to provide for the women in prison, whatever it is that I'm asking for, there was something significant about what my hands are doing and how that is a parallel to what's happening in the interaction between me and God and what he might be doing in the life of whoever I'm praying for or whatever I'm praying for. So that might sound kind of silly, but it was actually uh, significant to me. So I think one challenge that we can give to ourselves is to look for some activity that seems mundane and consider how you might turn that into a prayer time. Also gardening is another one, another place where I found meaningful prayer when pulling weeds out of the ground and then planting new seeds or giving it water. I felt like I'm removing what is harmful and putting in what is good and also praying. <laughs> and sometimes it was like my own healing, like in the garden as I was putting my hands into the soil I'm praying for what's going on in my own life. Maybe there's some hurts or some disappointments I've been through. And I'm removing kind of the bad thought and removing of reflecting too much on what's harmful to me 
and putting in the good seed, planting the good seed, giving it water. And I think just having something tangible to do with my hands is actually mm-hmm. a fun way for me to make any place a, a place of prayer. So those are just some, some first thoughts on maybe what I've done in my own life to make any place a place of prayer. Yeah, I like that. Uh, no, I don't think that's, that doesn't sound silly. Um, <laughs> I think that sounds great. And, and yeah, that idea of, of connecting prayer to the seemingly mundane things around us, I, I do think is, yeah, is, it can be very powerful. And, you know, I had even shared before, and I don't know, I don't remember where at this point, because we've got all these different things, podcasts, Zoom meetings, sermons, <laughs> classes. So somewhere I said um, at one point that I had made a, a kind of a conscious effort as, you know, I realized just my tendency, if I was ever like waiting in line somewhere, mm. just how it was almost instinctive to just pull out my phone and start yeah. scrolling through something on my phone. And, and so I made an intentional effort to like not have my phone with me if I, if I knew I was going to be waiting in line somewhere at the uh-huh. grocery store or a restaurant or wherever it was. And those are sh- certainly shorter times, hopefully, than an hour of, of washing dishes. Yeah. But that was something that, that helped me to kind of embody that idea of praying without ceasing. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing that I noticed in that was that even if I just while waiting in line, went through what is, you know, whether you call it the sinner's prayer or, or a breath prayer of like, you know, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy mm-hmm. on me, a sinner, something like that, that even if I was just doing something like simple like that, it helped me to be less anxious in that moment. Yeah. And, and to, you know, typically by the time I got to the cashier or got up to order or whatever, I might be thinking like, man, all these people took so long. Why do I have to wait so long? <laughs> be kind of... Yeah coming from an, a place of frustration mm. and and I was able to approach approach those places more in in kind of a peaceful way and yeah. and was just more able to be in the moment and be be okay with where I was mm. and I think that's one of the things that prayer helps us with is it it helps us to um to be more peaceful and to be um more aware of just the the good around us and and the ways that that God has has equipped us to um to withstand whatever it is that we are in instead yeah. of approaching it with frustration or or resentment or anger mm. and and I know at least for me I need I need constant reminders to stay in that because I can right. get back into bad habits really quickly mhm yeah. <laughs> so what do you use as your reminders? Do you just call those prayers to mind or what are your triggers to make you remember? Oh yeah, I should be prayerful in this moment. Yeah, I'm still figuring that out. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's good. Uh and I think, you know, another thing we've talked about too some, you know, we're we we've talked about Enneagram stuff a lot, but mm. but I know that routine is is big for me okay and so if I'm in my routine of kind of kind of having my morning prayer time and stuff all that other stuff is easier yes that if if I if I stay in my routine of of praying in the morning then then it's easier for me to be prayerful throughout the day or to recognize those opportunities but if I get out of that habit then then all the rest of it it's just kind of a snowball effect 
mm-hmm. and, and all of it start, starts to go down. And so I think that's probably the hardest thing for me is that when I get out of routine, still finding those places of prayer to, to begin the day with or, or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And, um, and yeah, I, I certainly don't always do great with that and, and yeah. need to get better at it. So when, ta- when Paul talks about walking in the Spirit, are you suggesting that there's a level of discipline in that, that you do have to actually pay attention and almost do it on purpose? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Do it's you? Not just, yeah, I mean, I think it's true for me too, that if I have an intentional set-aside time of prayer, I'm more likely to be prayerful throughout the day rather than... Right. If I'm just like, oh, I pray without ceasing, so I don't have to, like, have a prayer time. I just, like, pray all the time, you know, because that is the goal. But I think you do have to start with some discipline, set aside time to increase your awareness of the presence of the Spirit with you. And when you do maybe have or a deeper encounter, if it's in the morning or whatever time it is for you, the rest of the day is more likely your your heart and your mind are more likely to be attuned so I do think uh, walking in the spirit requires some discipline and some training and like you said just kind of like checking yourself like reminding yourself oh yeah (laughs) I should be Mm -hmm. (laughs) tuning into the Lord in this moment yeah absolutely and I think that's actually I think there are some ways that we kind of read scripture sometimes that that cause us maybe to miss some of what goes into that. And mm. like, for instance, I think, um, I think when we read about Paul in Acts, like everything just reads so fast paced that like there's yeah. all these big events happening, right? And then this happens and this happens and they're going here and they're going there. Yeah. And, and it, it's easy to, to miss the fact that like what seems like three big events happening right next to each other, maybe over the course of years. Yeah, you know? I'm sure. And, and and so I think we, it's easy to miss those moments and and to miss the fact that that we're not seeing those those times of 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 discipline that mm. that I'm sure were were existent for Paul, and yeah. that was one of the things one of the things that was actually most helpful for me in, in kind of coming to understand Paul was um, actually by N.T. Wright. N.T. Wright's done, mm-hmm. you know, a ton of stuff on Paul. And, and one of the things that he says is that if you look at kind of the timeline of Paul's life, that if, you ju- if you're just reading Acts, it seems like you go from Paul's conversion to he just like hits the ground running and starts into ministry. Mm-hmm. But actually what seems to happen is he kind of has an initial burst of that maybe, like right at the beginning, but then he goes up and he's back kind of around his hometown, I believe, for what appears to be like years before yeah. Barnabas comes up there and, and ends up recruiting him and they go to, I believe it's Antioch first. Um, and so N.T. Wright talks about how that's like, that's this time in, in N.T. Wright's mind of this like intense study and prayer and Paul like figuring mm. out, okay, this was my theology, but now I've been, wow, I've had this like very personal encounter with Jesus and so what does all that look like now mm-hmm. and so in his mind like Paul is now coming into ministry with these like years of that that he's poured into this mm. um, and that you know I know that's some may say that's sort of reading some into the text but but there is a time gap there yeah. and I think that's sort of what I'm getting at is that if you just read through Acts 
you miss those gaps of time when mm. I think that's when Paul was doing all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and I certainly don't think you can look at Paul's life and say that he was undisciplined. Sure. <laughs> I, I heard on another podcast someone asking the question, with everything that Paul went through, all the beatings and the torture and the imprisonment and the hunger and the shipwrecks and everything, how come Paul didn't have to be in therapy? <laughs> And they said that it was because of the way that he traveled mostly was on foot. All that time, what is he doing? He's probably praying. He's probably interacting with the spirit. He's probably being ministered to by the spirit of Jesus and, and working through in conversation the things that he's gone through and receiving new strength for the more suffering that's ahead of him. So, yeah, I think that... He talks about that in his letters, how he prayed without ceasing and he continued to give God thanks for people. But yeah, I think in the Acts, we don't see it as much. (laughs) So we do need the letters to supplement to realize how much prayer he actually was doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And even in Acts, you know, you've got that that well-known moment where Peter is on the roof um, and and has that vision on the roof. Um, but even in that moment, like I think, I think it shows that Peter, Peter is seemingly kind of putting himself in position um, to receive a word from the Spirit. Mm, yeah. And and I think I think that's where we miss things sometimes. Is we want that kind of divine intervention and connection, um, without maybe recognizing or realizing the work that 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 we have to put into that to making ourselves open to that. Um, and to providing space in our lives for the Spirit to work and and for us Mm -hmm. to be able to hear the Spirit above all the other noise in our life. Wow. So you talked about putting yourself into a position to receive a word from the Spirit. So do you think that that position has physical importance or is it just a mindset? Is it just spiritual or does the actual physical space that you're in play a part in your ability to listen to the spirit. Yeah, that's interesting because and so that's it's it's weird to think back on this now just kind of you know the 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 ways that a sermon kind of takes its own course and 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 when I was originally thinking about this story from this past Sunday about Paul and and Silas praying in prison the original kind of place that I was going was more like cultivating a physical place of prayer, right? Mm. And like kind of having a spot where you could go to for prayer. Because mm-hmm. uh, I do think there's value in that. I think there's value in like having a place in your office or in your home or whatever it is that's kind of this prayerful place that that, that is where you go and you know this is where I'm going to have uh, I'm I'm going to be able to put myself in the mindset here to to pray mm-hmm. and to focus and to do that, and so I think there's value in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but but then the more that I read it, I was like, I I think the lesson from this story is actually completely the opposite. That mm-hmm. that Paul and Silas, because that was when it stood out to me. Uh, it was kind of after that original thought that I had that I saw this juxtaposition between the idea that Paul and Silas are on their way to a place of prayer mm. when they end up in prison, and now prison has to be their place of prayer. Right. Mm. And so, so yeah, I think it's to me it's more mindset that yeah we can have places where we're kind of more geared towards prayer and where that is maybe 
we're kind of able to do that. And maybe if that's Mm -hmm. what it takes for us to kind of get started in that, like, hey, this is where I go to pray, then that's that's helpful. But yeah, again, if you look over the course of Paul's life, like, I mean, the dude's shipwrecked, he's in Mm -hmm. prison, he's, you know, always on the run, always on the go. Like, it can't be a physical place for Paul that it's like, this is my place of prayer. Yeah. Uh, The place of prayer has to be (laughs) anywhere where he is. Right. And so it kind of, at least in the in the context of that sermon, like flipped in my own mind, of of kind of encouraging people to to find a physical space that could be their place of prayer. To saying, no, mm-hmm. wait, we have to do the work within ourselves, so that wherever we are can be a place of prayer, yeah. and that we are we're taking that with us. Yeah. So I basically does that get see... kind of what you were thinking about. Definitely. I see two strands here. Even in scripture, I feel like these two examples are there. There are instances in which people seek out a particular place in which to pray. Even Jesus himself would climb the mountain to pray or go to the garden to pray. So even Jesus saw there there is some value in having a set aside space. Maybe that gives you some yeah, margin absolutely. or some separation from other people. But yeah, yeah, I think that's good because I do think, and like you said, with the example of doing the dishes, like that's a, like it's a mindset thing, but it's also your your mind kind of, you're able to get there sort of emotionally and spiritually and intellectually because of the space where you are and what you're doing with mm-hmm. your hands and all that. Yeah. Um, so it's this physical space and, and something where you are and what you're doing that helps cultivate all the other stuff. And so I guess mm-hmm. maybe that would be it, that that I think physical spaces are important in that they help us get to this place where any place can be a place of prayer. Right, um, yeah. Not, not just that this is the place where I pray and so I can only do that here if that sort of makes mm. So when Jesus goes to the cross and he continues to pray on the cross and he's talking to the yeah. Father, is that like he laid the foundation of the groundwork for being able to connect with the Father at the cross because he had already been in the garden and he had already been on the mountaintop, but he had also already been in the wilderness and being tempted. Yeah, I like that, that, that it's because he's laid this foundation of separating himself from everybody else and finding these times of prayer in maybe familiar places and consistent places, maybe at least in terms of, of look and feel of what that is, that yeah, then he's able to carry that to the cross. Yeah. I wouldn't want to say that Jesus couldn't do it if he, if he hadn't been in the garden, but I feel like for us, it shows that there's something significant to, to having a set aside time or place, maybe a sacred space where you do intentionally seek out the presence of God and that will strengthen you as a person of prayer to become someone who prays without ceasing and someone who walks in the spirit. So I do think there's some significance to the space. <laughs> and right yeah. now yeah, we're not like gathering that. in our church building. So maybe a lot of us, we normally would have relied on the church building as that space, maybe every Sunday morning. Right. So what do we do now? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> Do we all have to find um, that for ourselves? Yeah. And, you know, I think I can't remember if I spoke to that directly in the sermon. I think I, I mentioned maybe something about that in the sermon that that, yeah, I 
I think there's a connection there between us and, and Paul and Silas um, that that our place of prayer, our place of worship has also in some ways been taken away. Mm. Um, now, we're certainly not, you know, we didn't get thrown into prison and, and beaten. So we've, we're, we're not uh, facing the, the persecution, certainly in any way that, that Paul and Silas were, but they're, they're still it can still lend itself to kind of frustration and fatigue and, and maybe even resentment, I think. And I think that's the thing I felt from Paul and Silas is that like, man, if, if anyone had reason to be frustrated and, and just kind of have this woe is me victim type mentality, Mm. then it would be, and I would think it'd be Paul and Silas there, right? Like (laughs) it's not, it's not difficult for me to imagine a situation where they're just sitting there like grumbling and complaining like man mm. we were just trying to go worship somewhere and this girl kept following us around and then we tried yeah. to do something nice for her and we got punished for it and yeah. like we've given everything we've got to 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 further this mission and we just keep getting beat up and thrown in prison for it and I'm I'm just done with it right like it's mm. not hard to imagine coming yeah. to that decision especially if prison. Paul and Silas were us <laughs> right yeah that's what I'm saying just like putting coming from like my perspective like that's an easy it's easy to see how you would arrive there like mm-hmm. I don't know if this is worth it I'm just trying to do good and I just keep ending up in prison mm-hmm. um, and yet because of because of their focus and their dedication and and I would have to think their prayer life instead they're just like you know, and, and I'm sure there's some frustration. Again, we have gaps. I'm sure they were frustrated. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, but but they're able to to just kind of flip the script completely and and engage in prayer and worship from where they are instead of the the place of prayer. And and I think that's where it's helpful for us to. Again, as you were saying, I, I do think that's you know what what is what, what is kind of a consistent place in my life that I can make a space of prayer. Um, mm. Is it in the car on my way to work? Is it while I'm doing yeah. the dishes? Is it whatever um, that then allows me to still carry to carry that forward into my life yeah. so that I don't feel like this place of prayer has been taken away from me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. And I think I think the thing that's hard about that in our current season is just nothing looks the same or feels the same. Right. And that's something yeah. that we talked about, especially a lot with Marcia, was just how it, it can be difficult for us to focus then. It can mm. be difficult for us to, to get in a routine. Um, yes. And, and so the intentionality, intentionality of all that just becomes all the more important. Right, for sure. Even me, like transitioning to living here, I'm trying to find my rhythm and find the place and the time where I pray and even read scripture. Um, so I think in times of transition, it's even more important to make sure you focus in because those weird kind of liminal spaces where things don't look and feel the same, like right now, uh, it can be easier to just get overwhelmed with circumstances and not find that time to dive into the spirit. And so I'm challenging myself. I'm speaking to myself that I need to really make sure I find that time and that space to root me um, because maybe the challenges are, are still many more than what we've experienced yet to this point. I really need that rootedness. 
Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm curious to know because I know you, you kind of talked about some of your places of prayer and how you connect the mundane stuff to, to your prayer life. Um, I'm curious to know, were, were there practices or influences or whatever that helped kind of give, um, give you language for prayer? Um, mm. Are there things that you have done or pursued or anything like that that kind of helped helped in your prayer language? Yeah, that's a good question. Very practical. I think the best place to start is with scripture itself. And I like to take some of the more poetic sections of scripture and turn those into prayers or even songs like Isaiah 12 and Isaiah 55. I have some songs that the Spirit has given me from the, the passages and where it's just kind of a moment of I'm praying and I'm seeing the words and God just gives me a melody and I begin singing that as my prayer. Um, I think the Psalms were designed to be sung, so that's a great place to start in prayer and singing. But also there's some pretty sweet benedictions in the ends of Paul's letters, even Jude. <laughs> Oh, which is one we, we might not touch on too much, but it does have a beautiful benediction at the end. And um, I've, I've used that to guide my prayer. So I think using the scriptures themselves is a great place. But I also think there's value in just other Christian literature. There's a book called The Valley of Vision, which is actually prayers that were written by Puritans in like the 1800s and I think early 1900s. It's just beautiful. Um, The language they use is nothing like what I would say on my own. (laughs) And so Mm -hmm. I can read it and then kind of transform it into my own words. But it gives me inspiration and some starting points to think about things that I might not have thought of on my own, especially getting me into confession and reminding me of what a wretched sinner I really am and that I do need to to confess that and to ask for God's daily grace and mercy. Um, so th- those are, yeah, some helps, but I think there are a lot of, a lot of resources. Um, even <laughs> don't know how Anglican we want to get, but there's the book of common prayer and, um, or even just like, if you have a favorite, uh, kind of Christian scholar, you could probably just look and see if the, any of their prayers have been recorded um, and use those to inspire inspire you as well. And since we're not together during this time, we might need to dive into the Christian history a little bit more because maybe normally we would inspire each other. <laughs> um, but But the Spirit is the one inspiring us and the Spirit is the one guiding us. So I guess if you're praying and you don't really know what to say, that's totally fine. <laughs> you don't have to try to increase your words. Even Jesus says, like, don't just babble on and on. Um, right. But let let your words be be meaningful. So maybe maybe for for youth or anybody that feels like they're kind of starting out in prayer. Um, don't feel like you have to say a whole lot. And if maybe if you say you're going to have 20 minutes of prayer, you set aside that 20 minutes, maybe you put an alarm on your phone. You don't have to talk the whole time. <laughs> um, you can give space for to see if God might speak to you as well, or you could read scripture and reflect. Um, so maybe those are some of my suggestions. Yeah, those are great. And, and yeah, I do certainly think 
prayers that others have have uh, prayed, have written, psalms can certainly help us give give language to our prayers. Uh, I know liturgical prayers have have been impactful for me uh, and the psalms as well. Uh, the the diversity of language within the psalms, I think, is helpful because if you yeah. just read through psalms, again, you know, if you just kind of if if you just kind of pick out the praise word, the praise ones, and kind of they can kind of have this idea that like life is great, God, you're so great. But but if you just read through the psalms, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of frustration, a lot of lament, a lot of yeah. God, why why is this happening? A lot of God, will you just kill everyone around me? Type of prayers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, so, yeah, um, so I think it helps broaden even our understanding of prayer and and uh, maybe even I think, especially for some of us, kind of what we're sort of quote unquote allowed to go to God with in prayer. Right, right? exactly. That, that, like my prayers, I don't have to clean myself up to go to God. God can handle me in my in my state of frustration, in my state of grief of doubt, of questioning, anger, whatever. Um, and then I think sometimes we kind of have this idea that I've got to work some of that out before coming to God instead of mm. seeing prayer as the avenue to work some of that out. And and I think the Psalms can kind of help us get there to see, oh yeah, these are these are prayers and songs that have been preserved over time. And, right. And... And they're pretty raw, so. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Psalm 13 is one of my favorites. Maybe we can close with that later on. <laughs> well, we, we've, we've probably kicked around some of this enough. And so I was actually, why don't you, if you'll read that one for us, and then I was going to, to uh, I had the thought of, of closing with uh, a prayer, a liturgical prayer that has been meaningful to me that I've, I've probably shared in other places, but it's one that I try to pray consistently and it's just a prayer of thanksgiving. And so maybe if you'll if you'll read that psalm for us and then I'll I'll close us out with this prayer and then then we'll wrap up for today. But thanks thanks for joining me for this conversation, Rachel. It's been good and I've enjoyed it and hope that everything yeah. works well for y'all and in the uh the evacuation for hurricane reasons. Yeah. I feel edified. It's a reminder to pray in the midst of your situation. And to give God thanks in the midst of it or to express to him your raw feelings rather than waiting until the situation is resolved. So, uh, yeah, I feel lifted up by our conversation. Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Thank you. All right, now I'll pray this prayer of thanksgiving to close us out today. Accept, O Lord, our thanks and praise for all that you have done for us. We thank you for the splendor of the whole creation, for the beauty of this world, for the wonder of life, and for the mystery of love. 
Thank you for the blessing of family and friends and for the loving care which surrounds us on every side. We thank you for setting us at tasks which demand our best efforts and for leading us to accomplishments which satisfy and delight us. We thank you also for those disappointments and failures that lead us to acknowledge our dependence on you alone. Above all, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, for the truth of his word and the example of his life, for his steadfast obedience by which he overcame temptation, for his dying through which he overcame death, for his rising to life again in which we are raised to the life of your kingdom. Grant us the gift of your Spirit, that we may know him and make him known, and through him, at all times and in all places, may give thanks to you in all things.